Welcome to episode 187. Do you have a voice in your head? Maybe you have a few. A voice that is not very nice. In fact, a voice that is brutal, savage, horrible. And 99% of the time, that voice is you speaking to you about you. Sound familiar? I get it. I used to have a voice in my head that was horrible and horrific. And whilst I'm not totally immune to self-savagery, I do know how destructive and life-creating that it can be. We create our own lives and our own reality with these words, which is why today's episode is so deeply important for anyone that wants to make a significant change in their life, whether it be with your weight, with your gut health, with your disease status, with the quality of life that you have day to day, with your job or even your relationships. Today's conversation is for you if you're ready to get serious about changing the internal dialogue that has been holding you back from your entire life. There is no woo-woo here. It's simple, it's brilliant, and it works. And I'm glad you're here to begin making these changes. So, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Thanks for being here with us and being ready to learn and transform your life in ways that you might not otherwise have ever come across. And today's episode is absolutely no exception. Remember too, for all our female listeners and busy mums out there, in 2022, it's my mission to coach 300 people to get control of their emotional eating so they can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories or eating rabbit food. And we do that through my program, The Ultimate Energy Upgrade. So today... We have a hypnotherapist, but not just any hypnotherapist. He's far more than that, and he's the founder of the Dialogue of Self-Liberation, which we'll pull apart and make sense for you in just a moment. But I'd like you to meet London-based Shane Towers, who has been helping people to transform how they speak towards themselves for the best part of the last two decades. Through simple yet profound understanding, he has successfully helped many who have suffered trauma, abuse, depression, and anxiety. He shares his practical transformational systems online, helping people to develop the mindfulness of self-communication and nurture self-forgiveness and self-compassion, which I'm sure you listening, as I do too, know it's something we all need to work on. He's also a lifelong martial artist, practices and teaches Qigong, and also teaches workshops at Swordpunk Traditional Weapons Training Facility in the UK. Now that is gangster. Shane, my friend, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Matty. It's lovely to meet you. Likewise, I'm really happy to be here, After, especially after doing a bunch of homework on you. I just think you're awesome, so I'm excited for everybody else to tap into some of that awesomeness. <laughs> thank you very much. So, look, I'm obsessed with everything Viking, so the fact that you teach traditional weapons training just is amazing to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I have a dear friend called Dan, and uh, Dan... Um, he originated and and, uh, and conducts this uh, two day festival a couple of times a year in the spring and in the early autumn uh, in the UK called Swordpunk, and they have people teaching uh, all kinds of different traditional weapons, um, uh, archery, uh, swordsmanship, um, stick fighting, all sorts of things, many many things, and uh, a big old party in the evening around a campfire. Uh, with uh, yeah, all sorts of things going on. People dressed up in full body armor, uh, uh, doing sword fighting, uh, 
uh, with flaming swords and all sorts. It's, it's really very, very good. I think I'm Wonderful. exposing how much of a giant geek I am when I say that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's great fun. And everyone, everyone there is just, uh, just lovely. They're really lovely people. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so I really recommend it to anybody who's in the UK. Uh, check oh, as out soon as Sword I get Punk. there, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mentioned in the intro the dialogue of self-liberation, which to most is probably a little bit of a confusing phrase to begin with. So maybe we can start by just pulling that apart. What is it and how did you get into it? Okay, let's take the second question first. How did I get okay. into it? Um, I never wanted to be a therapist. Uh, the thought never entered my head. But I, was, um, I had the good fortune to be introduced through mutual friends many years ago to a man whose name was Dr. Vernon Bell. Uh, he was mostly famous for being the founding father of the British karate movement in 1957. Right. And um, he was also a very high-ranking jiu-jitsu instructor as well. He was mostly known for that. But um, what people generally didn't know about him is he was a founder member of the British Association of Therapeutic Hypnotists in 1951. It's the oldest regulatory body for hypnotherapy in the United Kingdom. And um, I was visiting him one day because uh, we became friends. We had shared interests. And uh, I, I liked his company. He was a quirky character, um, very, very direct, very blunt, uh, a, a very proper mischief as well. He had a very mischievous sense of humor. <laughs> um, and uh, I used to go to visit him where he lived in the East End of London. Uh, I was living in Manchester in the, uh, the middle of uh, the United Kingdom at the time. And I'd travel down on the train and go and spend time with him because he, he, I enjoyed his company. Um, but then one day he asked me very bluntly, he said, I'm going to ask you a straight and simple question. Only a yes or no will do. Do you or do you not wish to study hypnotherapy with me? You don't just have to answer now. Yeah, yeah, just out <laughs> of the blue. But um, it, you have to, before you leave this afternoon, either give me a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. And I was coming up with lots of excuses as to why I would say no in my mind over the next several yeah. hours. And then I realized that I respected him too much to give him any of those excuses because they were very poor excuses. Right. And I thought, well, this is actually an opportunity because he really has a wealth of experience in this area. Uh, so I agreed. I said, yes. And um, I didn't realize what I was in for. Um, I studied with him for the last four years of his life. During that time, he took me through a process from the very first time I went to study with him, he began to take me through a process um, which was all about identifying the stories I'd been telling myself about myself that I'd picked up along the way, the unhelpful beliefs and habits of um, self-abusive or self-pitying self-communication. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I've always been uh, an optimist by nature. The people who know me well would have said that about me but unbeknown to most people was when I was in my own company I'd, I'd had a number of experiences that caused me to believe that I wasn't good enough mm -hmm. and that I was a failure in relationships and I'd never find love mm -hmm. so in my quiet times when it was just me I became very very spiteful toward myself but I didn't realize that I was doing this Right. I didn't realize I was doing it at all. It was completely unconscious. 
and I was really quite stuck. I was I was trying my best, I thought, but I I had no guidance, and uh, I didn't realise that what I'd actually been doing was communicating in uh, about my perceived struggles and lack of self worth in such a way that I was all I was doing was perpetuating the problem, but I didn't realise yeah. how. So he helped me to understand how I'd been perpetuating those negative beliefs through the way, literally, the words I was using when communicating toward myself about myself, and also how I was using my imagination, because our imaginations are powerful tools for transformation, and uh, and yet all too often we end up um, being dragged around by our, our imagination as if we're on a runaway horse. <laughs> That's a good you way know, to put it. Yeah, and um and often imagining the worst, replaying old memories of hurtful experiences or traumas, and then going off on all kinds of tangents about variations. If only I'd have said this, if only I hadn't have done that. And yeah, of course right. we can't change what actually happened, but we imagine all kinds of different variations. Yeah. And we torment ourselves because we can't change what happened. And um we also imagine the future in which we continue to suffer. The same old problems persist. We continue to, we believe in our imagination, we're just going to meet up with the same old issues and continue to feel rubbish about ourselves. Yeah, well, that makes me think of like the, the Einstein quote, you know, the insanity, the, the definition of an insanity mm. is continuing to do the same thing, expecting a different result. And, and I work particularly with people that have tried diet after diet after diet only to realize that information is not the transformational variable and the psychology you know that that's conversations with self and the beliefs that we perpetuate through our lives are actually the answer to successful weight loss or to successful health transformation yeah absolutely i agree with that so going on this journey that you were on with vernon um Mm. like so when you say that he he taught you this method like what was the and, and that it was a hard lesson to learn like how did how did that sort of look on a day-to-day basis? The, well, the first time I went to visit him, the first thing he said to me is, if you want to feel better about yourself and the life you're living, then the first skill you're going to need to acquire is the skill of monitoring the dialogue that you're communicating toward yourself from moment to moment. What are you actually saying to yourself about yourself? Mm-hmm. And is what you're saying to yourself really, if you look at it, an example of replaying an old traumatic memory and tormenting yourself with it again, mm-hmm. or imagine speaking about a future in which you continue to believe that you're going to just suffer more yeah. or feel rubbish about yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so if you want to change that, you have to first become aware of the stories you've been telling yourself So this is what I refer to as developing the mindfulness of self-communication. Literally becoming mindful and aware of of what we're actually communicating toward ourselves, about ourselves, the unhelpful beliefs, habits and uh, and patterns of behavior that we've um, adopted unconsciously over probably, in many cases, many years. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Do you think, um, like, what comes to mind as you're speaking is, like, there's a Jordan Peterson quote that's like, look after yourself as if you were a child you were responsible for taking care of. 
Um, and I think it's so interesting that we, we, we enter society or, you know, we get up in the morning and even to our own family in the same house, we might even put on a facade um, and we, you know, say that love is important and care is important and kindness. Uh, and we try and, you know, embody these values. Many people do on a day-to-day basis, yet the dialogue inside us is absolute savagery. And I, can de- I definitely remember, you know, talking to myself, you know, and referring to myself as someone that I hold myself to a savage standard, you know. I used to use that word. Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting because we try and put out one thing, but we, yeah, internalise arguably the complete opposite. Isn't it? It's, it's um, over the years I've been doing this work, it's uh, incredibly common, sadly, incredibly common how... Um, people who've adopted and developed and, and um, really acquired a skill in beating themselves up and mm-hmm. abusing themselves in the way they would speak about themselves toward themselves or communicate toward themselves about themselves when they wouldn't dream of speaking to another human being in such a way. I often say to clients and, and, and uh, people that I work with in general, I would say, um, do you have anyone in your family or close to you who you love who's very young, like a child? And if they say, yeah, oh, yes, yes, such and such, um, I would say, well, imagine this. Imagine that you happen to witness an adult looming over your child, wagging the finger at them and shouting at them, saying, you're useless, you're stupid, you're ignorant, you're ugly, you're so ugly, everyone thinks you're ugly, no one's going to ever love you. You're a failure and you're always going to be a failure. You would be outraged and you would be in there like a shot to defend them. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, of course, absolutely. You know, and, and, and yet we've become conditioned to accept that it's somehow okay for us to do that to ourselves. Yeah. And that's yeah. wrong. Whichever way you look at it, it's just wrong. I I, I, I I have to say I'm not um, – when speaking about any of this, it's from my own personal experience because I spent probably 20 years of my life beating myself up and giving myself a hard time, terribly hard time actually. Um, and if it wasn't for, for having the, the good fortune and fate of, uh, of encountering being introduced to my teacher um, and the way that he helped me, uh, I probably wouldn't be here now having this conversation mm-hmm. because I, I think my, not because I wanted to kill myself, but I think I was getting into some dodgy territory with smashing myself in one way or another. Uh, and I think my body would have given up. Well, and I think particularly, I mean, it's across the board, obviously mental health challenges and beating ourselves up, but even more so it's dangerous territory, generally speaking, for men. You know, men expressing themselves and not being the, the you know, matriarchal um, archetype of like absolute heroism and, you know, you know absolute savagery and, and all of those masculine attributes that we attach to being the man. Uh, none of those include, you know, being emotional and soft and caring and kind and, 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 you know, it's perpetuated through society for arguably, you know, a millennia that men don't express emotion or don't don't feel a certain way and should be savage because they need to provide and and they need to go to war and they need to defend and protect and and I think it's just a weird chapter that we're in now because we don't really have to do any of those things, but we have this savagery inside of us that's like still there, 
but we just aim it at ourselves rather than the enemy or the the wildebeest that we're hunting. <laughs> mm. I I agree with that completely. I often say to male clients when I've been working with them for a short while and we've developed a rapport, um, I say to them as men, who do we speak to about these things? We don't. We bottle it up. We pretend we're okay. You know, we get on with it, and yet we never really deal with these things. And sometimes that that can cause awful, awful problems later in in life. I've worked over yeah. the years with many people who've um, been on the verge of taking their own life because they felt so despairing. And yet, when they come to recognise, when it's, I take a little time to to discuss with them and and share the understanding that was taught to me, which is all I really have been doing for the last twenty years in doing this work, is sharing, passing the baton, as I refer to it, of the dialogue of self liberation to the people who've come to see me for help and explaining my experience and my own journey so that they they understand that uh, it's possible to change. Yeah, it reminds me of this quote that I regularly repeat. Probably everybody listening has heard me say it a thousand times, but it's just that we suffer a thousand times more in our head than we do in reality. And I think it's really interesting when you work with people or even go on your own journey to realise that there's actually a, a separation between what I think is happening and what is actually happening. And for a long time, people think those two things are the same. Yes, I think that's largely the problem is people, uh, well, people communicate about their past as if it were the present or the future. Mm -hmm. And they do it totally unconsciously through the tiniest of words like am, I am, whatever they say after it, useless, stupid, ugly, a failure angry, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And then we, we drag the past into the present moment and we relive it. We revivify that feeling or we project it into the future saying, I always, or I'll never. And then I feel. Yeah. And we do this unconsciously. Yeah. All projections, all projections. Why won't, why can't I ever manage to is another one. What's wrong with me? I always blah, blah, blah. And yeah, what we don't realize is, and this is the, the beauty of what Vernon taught me, is that we are programming ourselves when we say these things. And our subconscious mind is just open and receptive and it just soaks up the programming and it says, oh, that's, what, that's how you want me to feel, is it? Mm -hmm. That's how you want me to react in the future. That's yeah. what I'm supposed to believe, is it? Okay. And so we, we, we just reinforce the negative beliefs unconsciously. And, and I, would, I would ask of any of your listeners from now, notice when you hear your friends or family speak about their problems, how they're speaking about them all in the present tense and the future tense. When if they really look at it, what they're gen generally doing is they are speaking about the upsets and the traumas and the disappointments that they have experienced. But they're speaking about them in the present tense as if they're with them right then, or they're speaking mm -hmm. them about them as if they always happen. I heard you say on a, on a podcast re recently um, a really great example of it's like it's, it's having somebody maybe hit you with a baton or hit you with some kind of weapon as a child and then effectively yes. saying, 
you're practiced enough to do this yourself and and handing you, the individual, the baton and say, there you go, keep hitting yourself. That's right. Keep re-traumatizing yourself. Yeah, exactly. The shitty stick. Yeah, the shitty stick, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. And uh, that that was my experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I became very skillful at taking that same stick and beating myself with it for a long, long time, 20 years or so of my life. I, I did that unconsciously. Yeah, I I can totally relate to that, and it, le- it kind of leads me to a question: like, why why do you think our culture is so entrenched in self loathing? And it's kind of funny, I think, too, because we started with like ancient weapons and Vikings, and you know, and and I don't think there's any shortage of trauma ten thousand years ago. So what? It's not like a twenty first century phenomenon that we're all suffering trauma, but you know, people have been suffering from all sorts of atrocities for a millennia. So I'm curious. Why in this modern world do we have this internal self-loathing epidemic? That's a really great question, Matty. That's a great question. Thank you for that. Yeah, I I think there's there's a saying that's familiar to me. Sometimes we need to take a step backwards in order to move forwards. And I think sometimes we need to fail, sometimes dramatically, spectacularly in order to understand the the value and the lessons that we can learn from those failures and mistakes. And I think maybe humanity as a whole has developed this this, uh, inner battle because Mm -hmm. we need to learn how to overcome that tendency if we're going to make any significant progress. We need to learn how to stop being abusers unto ourselves i think it's also a byproduct of the the throwaway uh, the 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 abusive tendency that we have to uh, toward attitude we have toward natural resources and the, and the, and nature in general yeah we've lost our connection with the, if you like the the spiritual aspect of of everything living this is my personal feeling. Yeah, no, I would be in alignment with that because I think, and, and as you were talking there, I was thinking that, you know, what has changed in the last hundred years is that we've been able to hack the brain in ways that are just immeasurably and demonstrably damaging with the likes of Facebook and the likes of the sugar industry and all of this social media that is designed to hack our brain and make us feel not good enough so we're going for the next dopamine hit and we're trying to buy the next dress or the next thing to make us feel better. You know, we're, and this marketing world that has evolved, the commercialization of the world, which then, you know, attaches itself to the resources of the planet because we're using the resources of the planet in order to, you know, try and fulfill this cavern within us that we seem to be unable to fill. And then we just fill it with self-loathing. Yeah, but we're not aware of how how we are responsible, truly responsible for our own internal dialogue, our own self-communications, because we're generally not aware of what we've been communicating toward ourselves until we have somebody come along and say, like Vernon did with me, hey, what are you actually telling yourself? What are the stories you've been telling yourself about yourself? And let's take a really good look at that. Where did they come from? And nine times out of ten, those stories have um, been adopted because of traumatic experiences a person's had in their past due to other people's 
ignorance or abuse or neglect. Do you, do you think people adopt as well? They also absorb the belief systems of their parental figures? Absolutely, yes. Yes. And so it's largely the process if we're to um, work out who we are rather than identify our sen- or align our sense of self with other people's traumas or other people's suffering or the events that may have happened to us that have been due to other people's abuse or ignorance or neglect, then it's a process of uh, firstly identifying what are the things that I've been carrying with me that would now really, really make sense to let go of? What's the clutter that's accumulated? What baggage have I been carrying? I, I have a metaphor that I use. It's like, imagine waking up in the morning with a sack full of broken bricks and rocks over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you've been told that you can't, from the moment you wake up, you can't let that big, heavy sack of broken bricks and rocks touch the ground. You have to hold it up and support it all the time. No matter what you're doing throughout the day, making your breakfast, going to work, in the in the shower, whatever you're doing, you've got to hold that there. And you can only put it down at the moment when you fall asleep. But then when you wake up, you've got to have it again, carry it around with you. And, and that's what people do. And so the process really is about choosing to take some time out of our daily routines to go, right, I'm going to take this thing off my shoulder. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to take some of these rocks out and take a good look at them. It's like, where did this come from? Where did I pick this up? And very, very commonly, straight away when we start to do this, it becomes very clear. It's like, I know who who gave me that. I know exactly where that was passed to me and how it was passed to me. And then we ask ourselves the question, does it make sense for me to continue to carry this around with me? Or if not, how can I set that weight down so that I'm no longer carrying that burden? And we go through the whole thing, the whole sack full of the broken bricks and rocks. And the broken bricks and rocks I'm speaking of are these these habits of negative communication, internal dialogue, clothed in the form of words and sentences. Like, for instance, um, uh, I'm a failure. Everyone thinks I'm a failure. Or I'm ugly. I'm unlovable. Yeah. I hear a lot of ones with the people I work with like, you know, I, I can't eat healthy. I um, I always fail at diets. Um, I have to have the sugar, you know, all of these like defining statements that, yeah, like are in the present and are laying the pavers for the future. That's it. That's it. Exactly. So there's a, a very old Chinese um, saying where the mind leads, the chi follows, the energy follows. And it's true of everything in life. If we fixate on a particular idea, then it's like we're pouring our energy, mental, emotional, and physical energy into that that shape, that mold, and we align ourselves with that shape. And we begin to experience things based upon how we're using our energy. What are, What kind of shapes are we creating with it? What kind of thought forms... So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. 
If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. I'm curious to ask, like, just as you said there, like we create these shapes and then we step into those shapes and embody them. And and what that sounds like is that it's a self. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that I yeah. am. So therefore, it is, and it is. Therefore, I am, and we're stuck yeah. in this infinite loop. And, and you've talked yeah. a few times here about awareness. So, what is the what's the beginning of like breaking a self fulfilling prophecy? Because I know that our nervous system and our identity, once that prophecy is broken we're lost. We feel lost. Um, and so the tendency to go back towards that because it's better the devil you know than the one you don't is really strong to pull you back, right? So I'm really curious, how do you navigate that first step of awareness, but also having the nurture or security for the identity to not just default back to the same old thing? I think essentially you have to be absolutely fed up of feeling how you've been feeling. If you can honestly say, I'm sick of that, I'm sick of feeling that way, and I'm prepared to begin to do certain things differently, Mm -hmm. and then to identify, first of all, the first uh, um, exercise that I I, uh, encourage people to engage with is creating a list. And uh, the list... Really, that's that stemmed from a list which my teacher compiled on my behalf when I was studying with him. In answering any of his questions, he said right from the beginning, he said, I'm going to write notes while I ask you questions. You don't mind, do you? And I said, no, go ahead. So he was always writing notes and uh, he never showed me what he wrote until a particular day where he, I, I went to visit him and he spoke to me with a, a very urgent feeling that, that day. He said, come in, I've got something really important to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. And um, he essentially, he said, right, I think you're starting to understand how the tools work is how he phrased it. Um, and I said, yeah, I think I'm starting to understand what you're on about. He said, oh, great. I thought you'd say that. So now, you know, the notes I've written every time you've been to see me, and that was over a period of a year and a quarter, he compiled these notes. He said, well, today's the day where I read to you what I've written and everything I'm about to read, I've heard come out of your mouth. Are you ready? Uh-oh. <laughs> and he smashed me with this list of um, every self-limiting, self-defeating, self-abusive, self-pitying um, response to any of his questions that he'd written down, spoken, 
by me about myself in either the present tense or the future tense. I am, I feel, this is. I can't, I won't, I don't deserve. I'll always, I always, I'll never. And then I feel, when I get, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. And uh, so every, every single thing he read was a single sentence spoken in either the present or the future tense or combinations of the two. And he had very piercing blue eyes and he'd, he'd read one line and he'd look at me and he'd read the next line. He'd look at me again. And it went on and it went on. And by the end of it, I was absolutely broken by it because it was, it was very shocking and it was vile. Oh, well, he's it just walking you back through all of the trauma yeah. that you reconfirm, right? That would have been so confronting. It was very, very confronting. It was extreme. It was, you mentioned the word savage. That was, it was savage. But the thing was, <laughs> but the thing was, I needed that. Mm-hmm. And it was his, his, his strength of character and his understanding of what was needed to provoke me into making the change. Okay. Uh, so by the end of it, I had tears pouring down my face and, uh, um, it was nice. You, you know, you said that, uh, you don't mind swearing on your podcast, so I'll, I'll tell it like it actually was. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. So he, he was very blunt and he said, so, um, you understand how the tools work after smashing me with the list. And I said, yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. He said, yeah, it's simple from now. And he sat forward in his chair and he screamed at me at the top of his voice. And he really did. He screamed it. Leper, heal thyself. And then the very next thing he said is, right, fuck off, get out of my sight. I'm not going to see you anymore and I'm not going to speak to you anymore until you've started to use the tools that you now know how to use on yourself because now you know exactly what you've been doing to yourself for all these years, don't you? Get out of my fucking sight. And he picked me up off his sofa, pushed me down his hallway, opened his front door, shoved me in the back, out onto the street and slammed the door shut. And I was broken. I wandered around, wandered around the streets of Stratford for several hours, crying my eyes out, feeling really lost. And then it was like I had a light bulb moment and I realized what he'd done and I thought of all the things on that list and I saw that he'd provided me with perfect examples of what's no longer acceptable. If I want to feel better about myself, then I have to stop telling myself those things in the present tense or the future tense. He would say to Vernon would say to me, by all means, knock yourself out, mate, talk until you're blue in the face, as far as I care, about the uh the 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 lack of confidence that you have had in yourself. Because yeah, you know yeah. you have, haven't you, in the past? So he would make a very clear distinction there that uh if we're speaking about our past, then be honest and accurate about it. It's in the past. But as he would say to me, we're, we're alive now. So I realized that I had to stop communicating in those ways based on that list mm-hmm. in the present tense or the future tense. I had to allow my past to be my past and stop dragging it into the present moment again or projecting it into the future 
with the expectation or assumption that I was just going to meet up with the same experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I made a start. I actively began to change what I was saying to myself about myself based upon what he taught me, making sure that I communicate only in the past tense about the things I'd rather let go of and no longer yeah. experience anymore or believe about myself. And it was very challenging because I was so used to speaking in certain ways and saying certain things or communicating in those ways. It was very challenging. But every time I caught myself um, reaffirming something which had been one of the things on that list, I realized it. I had that list as a, as a, um, a, a like a sounding board. Um, and so every time I noticed it, I actively and purposefully chose to restate what I was saying in the past tense, using the words have and had or has. I have believed, I have thought that those thoughts, I've, I've felt those feelings, I've experienced those things in the past. I like the way that you frame that because that acknowledges that the past did happen. It's, it's not like, because I think a lot of these um, maybe affirmation practices move in the, in, like move in some way, maybe unintentionally into sort of denial um, yes. of, of, of some experiences. So I love that that yeah. respects that the occurrence really happened. Absolutely. Um, I often say to people, this, this methodology that Vernon uh, taught me, it, it has nothing to do with positive affirmation. Positive affirmations are nothing more than uh, all too often lying to ourselves and hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah? Totally. Um, but what this, this approach is all about is the eradication of negative thinking. Based on the principle, as Vernon described to me, absence of darkness is light. So it's not about trying to tell ourselves, I feel lighter or I feel stronger or I feel more confident. It's about learning the skill and developing the skill of no longer talking to ourselves about how dark we believe it is or how useless we believe we are or always will be. And when we stop doing that, we're no longer pouring our energy into those molds and aligning ourselves with those shapes. And so we naturally begin to feel lighter and brighter and clearer and less troubled because we're no longer um, uh, yeah, wasting our, our mental and emotional and physical energy by um, telling ourselves those same negative, abusive stories. We, and and it, this allows us to, to really take a look at the experiences we've been through in our past and to begin to learn from them. It's not about denial or oh, that didn't happen. I don't want to look at that. Through the, the active um, uh, use of our creative imagination and using some of the more hypnotic techniques that I work with, um, I don't even like the term hypnosis. They're guided visualizations, really, to help right. the individual restructure the way they perceive an old memory. So they they essentially drain the old memory of any negative mental or emotional reactive uh, magnetism. Mm -hmm. So they, they make it, that memory becomes impotent. It has no power to affect how they think or feel or act or react from now on. Yeah. So they can look at it impartially and, and, uh, and are actually able to look back at some of those things. And sadly, I've, I've worked with many people who've been 
raped or or in terribly abusive uh, experiences, like violent experiences, being beaten and so on. Um, and they they find that they're able to with with the correct uh, work and work on themselves. They're able to look back at those memories and think, "Yep, that was really shit," but that I'm alive now. I've survived yeah. all of it. And I'm actually alive here and now in this moment, which is all we have. This this moment is all we have. Everything else is in our imagination. It's replaying an old memory or imagining the future. But this breath we're breathing, it literally is all we have. So what we do with this is vitally important. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, what I was thinking as you were just sharing then, it, it kind of moves into this place as you go on this journey, obviously, to that self compassion, self-love, self-respect. And what I what I often think about when we get into this kind of conversation is like a lot of people in society kind of judge that and and a lot of people have a resistance to loving themselves or to to believing in themselves and they actually feel like, oh, you know, who, who do I think I am to think that I'm this great? You know, and society beats you down. Here in Australia, tall poppy syndrome is so, so toxic. You know, if you're really trying to back yourself and believe in yourself and do well. And and I'm curious, what do you think has been fractured in society that like loving yourself and being proud of who you are and embracing everything that's great about you, why do you think people are reactive to that? Is it simply because they don't see the capacity within themselves? I think largely they don't see the capacity within themselves because they've ended up identifying or aligning their sense of self with suffering, Mm -hmm. with lack of self-worth, believing that they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people, if they, even if they're paid a compliment, they'll reject the compliment (laughs) sometimes really strongly and and harshly um, because They've they've found it very difficult to accept somebody acknowledging a positive quality about them. They can't see that see it themselves. Yeah, because of a lack of self worth. Then there, and this is important to uh, to mention, is that in some cases people become there's a sick pride that can develop in a person's suffering. It's like. Um, they think that somehow they confuse humility with self-depreciation. And um, so people sometimes become very, their, their suffering makes them feel special. It's like no one could ever understand how hurt I am because they haven't been through what I've been through. How could anybody possibly understand my suffering? Which is kind of a bit self-important, really. <laughs> Totally. We, we actually see that a lot in, um, and it's a triggering topic for many people, but in the um, chronic disease space and, 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 you know, like, yeah, it's, it's so a part of their identity, this suffering that, um, you know, you can go into that spiritual conversation, which is very much sort of what you're touching on here is like, if you change those stories, your body can actually begin to lose weight or heal itself in many ways. And that idea to some people is a bit too woo woo, but, um, but it's a huge part that my suffering, I am my suffering and therefore I can't let it go. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I say that I think people need to be have reached a point where they're really fed up of feeling how they've been feeling because Mm -hmm. then they're prepared to begin to do something differently. As long as they receive some uh, wise assistance 
along the yeah. way, a little bit of guidance here and there, uh, and encouragement. My goodness, that's so important. Encouragement mm. to believe yeah. that we can do this. We can actually make the changes and experience a totally different experience of who we actually are. Because we are not that clutter. In, in, in a, um, toward the latter part of the first session, I often have said for many years to people, what I'm about to say to you, I mean with absolute respect, and this is really important, is I couldn't give a damn about your problems. I couldn't care less about your problems. And sometimes people are very shocked. They're like, <laughs> what's this? And I say, you know, you're here because you're sick of that shit. You're sick of it. I, if we could draw out of you all of those problems and throw it in the corner, I've got no respect for that. I couldn't give a damn about that stuff in the corner. I care about who you are as a human being beneath all that clutter because that's not who you actually are. And what we need to mm. do is remove the identify and then let go of the clutter so we can start to explore who are you actually, your authentic self as an individual, because you're not that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's an interesting way to frame it because it's like, I don't want to respect all of your problems. Like that's, that's why, almost why they're coming to you is that they're giving their problems and, and you know, um, traumas too much respect yes. and dignity for being with them. <laughs> yes, that's right. And very often when I've said that, the, the, the instantaneous response has been that the person laughs. <laughs> and it's like a relief. It's like, oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I really enjoy that framing. I think that's, it's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it it it, uh, it it can turn things around in in an instant. Really, it's like okay, you know, we're not going to treat that stuff with any respect. You're here because you you're just fed up of feeling that way. Um, the only value that clutter really truly has becomes apparent when we let it go and allow it to be a part of our past experience, so that we can learn from those experience experiences how not to make the same mistakes again, how not to how not to fail as we may have failed in the past, how to do things differently. Yeah, and reflecting, I think, to, um, you know, and giving utility to that experience, like that, that trauma or that situation taught me, taught being obviously past tense, that, yeah, now I can do the future in a different way or it gave me the skills to navigate difficult, triggering, traumatic situations and be able to handle them. And now I am totally capable of, of navigating tricky situations and learning, you know, and it's uh, rather than being like, yeah, that, that trauma is me and I show up in the same way that trauma showed up for me back then. Um, it's, yeah, now it's a tool in my arsenal rather than a burden on my back. That's absolutely right, yes. And and by doing this, it's um, we we begin to develop a, um, an understanding of the importance of uh, of forgiveness and self forgiveness. Because how can we we could we didn't know any better back then when we were going through the experiences we were going through. Um, we had no training, so we yeah. couldn't have dealt with it in any other way in the past than what happened, but with time and experience we can learn from those experiences so that we can understand how to uh, there's a great saying that was uh, attributed to uh, an old um tai chi master called professor cheng man ching and he used to say invest in loss everyone wants to be a winner everyone wants to succeed 
Um, no one wants to be a loser or a failure in the eyes of other people. But it's at the times where we make mistakes or misjudge or fall down or are broken that we have the maximum capacity to learn and to grow if we choose to take a look at how did that happen, why did that happen, and what can I begin to do differently so that, that those mistakes aren't made as they were then anymore. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think that takes us back to maybe near the start where we were like, what is the dialogue of self-liberation and, and everything you've unpacked here is, yes. yeah, the like talking to yourself uh, to, to free yourself, really. That, that's absolutely it, Matty, in a nutshell. That, that's the dialogue of self-liberation is, is um, training ourselves to communicate toward ourselves in ways which free us, which liberate us, which nourish us, encourage us, as we would <clears throat> if we were wanting to to teach a child who's who's loved by us yeah we'd want them to believe in themselves and to feel that there's nothing they can't achieve and that they're amazing because deep down with that's us we all are we're all got a little child in us we have indeed yeah and and i think that when we we've learned how to let go of those old traumas and sufferings it allows us to um to celebrate the uniqueness of who we are as a human being. And again, another thing I share with you, I say to clients and, and uh, very, very often is, you know, in this whole world full of human beings, there's only you like you in this entire world of human beings. You are absolutely unique. There's no one else like you. And that uniqueness is worthy of celebration. And what we want to discover is ways in which you can begin to celebrate your uniqueness. I think that is a beautiful concept. And I, yeah, I love that that's what you're spreading in the universe. And I think that everybody listening um, that's made it to this point with us is like really feeling that that sense of like, wow, things can be different because I think your your tools are so simple but so profound and it takes courage to implement this kind of stuff because rewiring your beliefs uh, and the, the, what you see in your reality takes courage. Yes, it does. I, I refer to it as um, choosing to pursue the courageous path because it does take courage to take a good, honest look at ourselves and begin to uh, make adjustments if we want to optimize our experience of being and not repeat yeah. the same old mistakes and carry around the burden of the past any longer you and mentioned you mentioned will... something earlier oh, i wanted to touch upon you mentioned about yeah. uh, particularly uh, with with men and the sort of you know the difference these days is one, one is you mentioned war and you know, for, for many of us, we're, we're incredibly fortunate to be living in places where we're not experiencing war, but that's not the case for many other people. Um, and war throughout all history has, has it's never, it's, it's just awful. It's an awful manifestation yeah. of the worst of human traits. Um, and, uh, and yet you asked, uh, why do, why, has the the tendency to put ourselves down become so uh, um, ingrained in modern culture in society? Yeah, um, and and I think that even if we haven't been at war outwardly, we have just reflected those warlike tendencies inwardly toward ourselves, and 
we've, in very many cases, we've ended up at war with ourselves. And that's no way to be. Yeah. It leads me to really want to unpack a deep philosophical question about whether or not we then have a need for war, you know? <laughs> I, I believe, I believe it's, it's, it's old. It's old and it's defunct and it, it's, it's just a tool that's used by rich people in positions of power and influence to do whatever they can to maintain what they believe is, is uh, their right to control that power and influence um it's always yeah. been for the few and it's the the, yeah. the, the poor people the the normal people who've paid the, the the terrible price has never changed throughout all history and it's the same shit there now and it's old and it's yeah it's it's old and boring and it needs to be let go of it really does if we're to make any progress yeah, I totally agree. And I think with our that the brains and capacity that we have these days, we should be able to figure out how to solve these problems without um, threatening our physical existence. Yeah, I agree completely. And and we I believe we have this ability, we have this capability. Um but we have to have the will to implement it. We have to have yeah. and and again, it's about compassion. This is something that I emphasize a lot is uh, self-forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves if we are to develop compassion, self-compassion, or compassion in the world. Because um, otherwise, if we continue to beat ourselves up, we're not really being compassionate. Oh, not at all. We leave that. We've got to. We've got to burn the shitty stick. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, we need more compassion in action in the world. We need to uh, to not be well, just to develop more of a, a compassionate acceptance of other people's ways of expressing themselves or doing things or goodness knows i mean religion you know calling their god by a different name or whatever it may be it's still they have the right to do so we all have the right to do so but to to persecute other people because of those reasons is just utterly ridiculous and it always has been yeah, I totally agree. And and it's probably comes back to our conversation, which if everybody in the world was not beating themselves up on the inside, they mm. would have no need to feel um, that they're out of balance with the world and therefore projected outwards as well. Um, if they were satisfied and content within themselves, they would probably be more satisfied and content with the way that Everybody else does life. Uh, but when there's this internal dialogue of chaos and noise and judgment and pain, then, you know, you look around and you're like, well, why aren't other people suffering like I am? Or why aren't other people having the same experience as me? And then we get this never-ending snowball effect of like one person hands that problem to the next and hands the next yes. trauma to the next person. And we've covered the whole globe. <laughs> mm, yep, indeed. I totally agree, Matty. So... Obviously, we could have some very deep conversations for a very long time. I think but, so. Uh, but we'll put a pin in it for now and catch up on another podcast. But where can everyone find you and all of your things online? Thanks for asking. Um, so if people are interested in the dialogue of self-liberation and developing the skills, then uh, please go over to a website that uh, we have, which is um, learntdsl.com learn tdsl tdsl is the dialogue of self-liberation it's an abbreviation for that so learn tdsl.com and um yep we we also at the moment we're in talks with a book publisher which uh we're very excited about I say we it's myself and my my uh, business partner and, and very dear friend peter truman 
uh, who's in Cambodia. And we've been Amazing. working remotely for the last several years to uh, to develop this project so that we can share um, the, the, the methodology with uh, um, people around the world, really, as many people as possible around the world. Um, that was Vernon's wish, is to uh, pass the baton, as he put it, so that uh, many more people could benefit from this. And, and, and that, that's what I wish to honour. Amazing. I think that's beautiful. And for anybody that wishes to be involved in picking that baton up, the links will be in the show notes down below. I highly encourage you to go and check out lots of Shane's stuff. He's amazing, as you've just found out by hanging out in a conversation with us here. So if you enjoyed this episode as well, feel free to take a screenshot, put it into your social media or share it with a friend that you believe that might benefit. A lot of people like to leverage me as their difficult conversation starter on this podcast. So feel free to, to use it that way. Um, and before we finish up, of course, the final question for you, Shane, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? You are not your past suffering. Those are experiences you have been through in your past and you've survived. What is important, if you want to feel better about yourself, is to develop mindful awareness of the stories you're telling yourself from moment to moment in real time. Identify the things worth letting go of and then choose to engage in a process that enables you to let go of those things and no longer drag the past with you. Amazing. Begin to tell yourself a different story, not by being positive, but by learning how to not be negative about yourself. It's a totally different approach. It really is, yeah. Amazing, Shane. Well, thank you so much for imparting all of your amazing wisdom and sharing your story. I'm very grateful for your time and energy, and I really hope to get you back in the future. I'd love that, Matty. It's been really enjoyable speaking with you. Thank you very much for inviting me. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again. Wonderful. We'll chat soon. Okay. Thank you very much. All the best to you. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.